1: Oscar. 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 Oh, top of the box Nathan Redmond here's Danny Ings hasn't really got in the game yet Ings right-splitting shot He's in the game right now is Danny Ings of course he is It's his first shot and the former Cherry celebrates modestly with four minutes until half-time Puts a real dent in Bournemouth hopes of staying in the Premier League
0: Hello, good morning and welcome to episode 90 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name is Sam Davis and football, bloody hell, it consumes me. It makes me sad. It makes me angry. I wish I didn't like it. Honest to God. And over the last however many hours, I, I felt really down because Bournemouth went down themselves, 2-0 at home to Southampton in a pivotal match, which may have determined our Premier League fate. We won't quite know until Tuesday. Even then, it could be kept alive until Survival Sunday. And there's hope, but it would be slim to non-existent. We started off really well against Saints. However, we couldn't turn our possession and our opportunities into goals, But Clinical Saints did what they needed to do with two goals at the end of each half to secure a victory in a South Coast derby. Yes, okay, not the South Coast derby. Let's just say that now. With me on the podcast, Jeff Hayward is here and we're going to be hearing his thoughts later in the show and we'll look forward to the games in midweek two, as well as a brief chat about Everton next weekend. Plus, in the fans' full-time free-for-all, we'll also hear some thoughts of supporters straight after the final whistle. And boy, were they some raw thoughts. First though, let's do this. Well, the first goal at the Vitality on Sunday was scored by a certain ex-Cherry. He went on to try to help us out by missing a penalty. It it didn't look as though he tried that hard to score it, I've got to say. But Danny Ings, of course, in a rich vein of form for our South Coast neighbours... And he's a player that, of course, yeah, played for both clubs. Now, what we're going to do is give you three anagrams of former cherries, but also former saints as well. And at the end of the show, we'll let you know who they are. Just three. Of course, there are many more. So the first player, this is first name and last name, is B Stolen. That's the word B-E, Stolen. Next is Slim Nose. And finally is Barn Yard Rent. That's Be Stolen, Slim Nose and Barn Yard Rent. You might want to write them down. At the end of the show, I'll give you the answers to those former Cherries and Saints players. So I'm sorry we've got to do this, but here's an extended chat with myself and Jeff Hayward to discuss all things AFCB versus Southampton and It's not the prettiest of conversations I've got to say. So, Jeff, yesterday didn't exactly go to plan, did it? No. Um, no, it didn't, did it, Sam? it's um we're all feeling pretty lost here at the moment and even though it's the day after i still feel pretty raw about it um uh, and it was a really interesting game actually and in some ways it summed up many parts of our season all in the space of about about 90 minutes we huffed and puffed we effectively didn't break through And the person who did break through was a former cherry. And then salt was added to the wound later on into the game. And it's another goal whereby, you know, we're not relegated yet, but that goal could be the difference. I think a lot of us are resigned to our fate now. There is still hope, but it is minimal. It really is. When you look at the different combination of scenarios that can happen, they're not impossible, um, and with what's happened with Watford over the last 24 hours, who knows, given what's happened to Nigel Pearson. Aston Villa have got maybe one winnable game, but let's go to the game. So, one o'clock, teams are announced, Four-four-two. no Solanke, no Gosling. What's your thoughts?
2: Um, I would have picked Solanke to start after the way he played the last two games and the way that Callum played off the bench at City, I'd have been inclined to keep him on the bench and bring him off. Uh, Gosling. Mm, yeah. Um, again, Gosling, Billing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, either or I wasn't that bothered. I thought he'd play and, um, yeah, it was pretty much as expected,
0: actually. Mm. We're, you can tell by the tone of our voice, we're both feeling very despondent and resigned to the fact that we're going to have uh, you know second tier football next season. But, you know, to Bournemouth's credit with the players that I mean, uh, obviously, I think there are so many times this season where we've seen a team line up. We've been happy with it. And then afterwards, when things have gone wrong, we then say, well, why did he do that? And I'm always wary of sort of going that route in, in like conversation. I don't particularly want to this time because I think most of us were relatively happy with uh, the players that were out there, relatively happy. And to be fair, we had a very, very strong start, didn't we? That first 20 minutes, we were unfortunate not to get a goal, I think.
2: Very unfortunate. The uh, the play was good. Um, we uh, went very direct. A lot of channel football, which actually was causing Southampton quite a lot of problems. We were getting a lot of territory, a lot of set pieces, uh, whether that was long throws into the box or corners or free kicks. Um, just that little bit of quality and... We didn't actually threaten the goal uh, enough. You know, we we created a lot of, as you you said, a lot of huffing and puffing. But if the final ball was there, there was an exquisite ball from Rico that was a really good example. Ball flies in and Callum is on his heels, doesn't expect the ball to be there. And we've seen that a lot from Callum over the last few games. He just doesn't go for it. Danny Ying's throws himself at that ball and then the score is 1-0. You know, that's the difference. That small margin. And when we're not going for uh, balls like that, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take long for the, the confidence just to seep out of the side. So it, the longer the first half went on, I mean, Southampton are a good team. And they play good football. You know, they're unhurried. They pass it well. And with Danny Ings up front, they've always got somebody who can create something from nothing.
0: Yeah, they have. And as you say, the chances that we had, I mean, I make notes during matches. uh, And, you know, eight minutes gone, Rico crosses. I've got a question mark. Why didn't Callum gamble? Um, On nine minutes, Lloyd Kelly with a shot on the turn that just went past the post, uh, slightly deflected. Callum Wilson header from a junior Stanislas cross on 10 minutes. Very similar to that effort at Man City, where nowhere near the target, headed it high over the goal. Um, and then on 16 minutes, end-to-end action, it was a great chance. It was smothered by Ramsdale. And then Cherry's attacked really well after Lerma fed Rico, who played in Stanislas, who's kind of curved ball into the box was, you know, just eluded King was out of his reach um, and we had a ridiculous amount of corners, didn't we? And, you know, Bournemouth are set-piece specialists. So I was just praying that one of them was going to sort of fall for us but it seemed to, uh, you know, Saints were very resolute in their defending but also you know, when they didn't win the header it just seemed to drop kindly to them and they managed to clear. It's just, it seemed to be one of those days and I was just watching it with a few friends thinking it's one of them, isn't it? We've got so many chances and I was getting more concerned the longer the game was going on and the fact that we weren't taking these chances. And for a team that was needing a little bit of luck, we certainly had none.
2: We didn't have any and, and there was that uh, chance, I think it was before uh, Saint scored, wasn't it, where Walker-Peters clears it off the line. I mean, hmm. again, you know, a- amazing defending. You got to applaud the skill and the awareness that he had to get that ball wide yeah. But that sort of effort on your day, when we're playing Leicester, that goes for us. On our day, that works for you. On our day, it on today's game, it didn't. And that was the difference. So we just didn't have... We had a lot of effort, but not a lot of luck. And, and, and also, I think we lacked a bit of belief that we were going to get the goal today. It felt a bit like, you know, some of those games at the start of the lockdown where we didn't really believe that we could score.
0: Yeah. If, if relegation is what's going to happen and, you know, let's be fair, it, it probably is. There are a number of players that we're starting to see over this lockdown period that could emerge as brilliant candidates. I mean, Jack Stacey, I think, um, will be excellent in the championship. Uh, Lloyd Kelly will be another That is as well. But those two players that I've just mentioned, um, for all the good, there's a mistake in them. And it was Lloyd Kelly, whose ball out from the back was cut out and then Southampton just uh, played the overload. They had so many players um, and then it fell to the one person that you do not want it to fall to.
2: Lloyd Kelly has been really impressive I mean, to to think that he's now a fixture in that back four when actually he was picked to play left back originally and he's hardly played any games this season. He's got a lot of maturity, He doesn't panic, passes the ball well. Um, but that one time where you think, hit the channel ball and he True. tries to play it through midfield... Um, and, it, 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 you know, you, you watch that again and you think that pass was never on in the first place. What are you thinking? And you're right, just opened us up. And um, Danny Ings sort of squares up Jack Stacey uh, with the help of that sort of uh, dummy run on the outside. And he doesn't need much to, to hit the corner. He's very good. Ramsdale had an excellent game, gets a hand to it. But the ball sort of yeah, has one of those. The ball sort of bounces over his hand and doesn't yeah. get a full hand on it, I and mean, it's it's like it's it's a sickener. And one of those days. Having said that, we felt that way half time against Leicester last uh, Sunday. We played infinitely worse yeah. in that first half against Leicester when we came out, and we did get a bit of luck, and it and it turned for us. Just didn't go our way today. Can I just say one one player that I thought looked off the pace really badly, David Brooks, and yeah. we needed him to step up today and he didn't, maybe too many games in in too short space of time. Um, he was subbed at half-time, but I think if we're going to beat Everton, he needs to be firing.
0: Yeah, I was just about to mention him, actually. You took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I almost feel as though there was too much pressure on David Brooks, both from supporters and, you know, maybe... Within the club staff as well, because when we spoke to Fletch, albeit off the air, he told us that you know David Brooks is looking amazing in training at the moment and he's hopefully going to be fantastic for us. But I, uh, you know, we we saw glimpses of it, but I just I just sort of wonder for the amount of time that he was out and with the intensity of football that we've been playing in conditions that are you know, I mean, they're alien to everyone, but it's just another. Th- spanner to throw into the works that means that you know it's it's not a proper comeback for him and i just think that maybe what was it he played 80 minutes in the previous game before that i think i just wonder if he was just burnt out from that to be honest and sometimes i feel as though we we waste positions in the squad or in the starting 11 on players that um are not up to the task and another person i think harry wilson this season for all his free kicks and his brilliant set pieces that you know he's made, and for all the good positions he's got in, he's not necessarily delivered um up to the standard he should, and you know once again he had a golden opportunity today as well. What do you think about Harry Wilson and, and you know David Brooks and will we retain them next season?
3: Hmm.
2: that's a really good question. If we're given the opportunity to keep harry wilson i'd I'd pass it up, i think, and say. You know, not for us. I, I I don't think he's got the physical strength uh, to play the position that Eddie wants to play in. And um, it, the sort of malaise of uh, unconvincing finishing was there with him today and and arguably in that game against Spurs where you think he buries that shot. Against Spurs in the last sort of couple of minutes to give us the one nil. Uh, earlier in the season, I think he'd have buried two of those chances today, and we'd come out with a with a win possibly today. But it's um, just not working for him. And David Brooks, I think, is going to be a big a big fat check for mm-hmm. David Brooks in the summer, possibly. Um, it, and a lot of the players will probably have escape clauses. Uh, if we get relegated, and I'm sure he's one of them. Um, And I think he's a very talented player. We just haven't got the best out of him this season because of the lack of games. The injuries have been a massive issue. If we'd have had him for more of the season, I'm sure we wouldn't be in the position we're in.
0: Does the middle of the park worry you in terms of next season? Because Lerma, I mean, for the amount we signed him for, I don't know how much we'd get for him now, but the, I'm sure there'll be uh, teams interested. But he's he started off incredible for us, but as time's gone on, he's he's just become a you know a tough tackling, hard hitting midfielder that arguably might not be rated at the same amount that we paid for him. I I I don't quite know, but that kind of worries me that if he goes, then you're left with a championship midfield. It's you know, albeit okay, that's fine in the championship. But I feel as though we need some extra special quality. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Lewis Cook might even be plucked out as well. There, you know, you're starting to now think, my God, what players will we be left with?
2: Well, you know, let's 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 not think about that. Maybe maybe let's save this conversation for the mm. next Sunday night because um, it's it's hard to take games like today and not feel really depressed. I mean, I feel deflated. I mean, everybody who watched that game just felt depressed and deflated, dejected, whatever, you know, and um, and it's, it's hard to actually come away from that game and think, you know what, we've still got a chance. And, you know, if Watford, without a manager against a Manchester City side hurting from getting beaten by Arsenal and needing to find their rhythm pretty quickly before they play Real Madrid, you know, they are not going to be taking that game easy on Tuesday night. And against a a rudderless Watford side, who, it seems to me, that decision to get rid of Pearson smacks of, they've given up, bizarrely. I don't know why, but just unbelievable
0: decision. So there are obviously, I mean... We'll, well, we'll talk about those matches, actually, as, uh, you know, later on into the podcast, uh, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, like you say, there are conversations that we almost want to have now because we are resigned to it, but there is still that chance. So we'll park that um, park for it, now. Yeah. Um, half-time came then, and, uh, yeah, I I felt pretty awful. And you know what? I think it being Southampton just added that, extra bit of pain as well. I don't know about you, but um, you 1-0 down against and I knew it was not going to be an easy second half. They would not. And I don't know what he had pinned to the dressing room wall or whether he needed to motivate players to that extent, but they came out really well, I thought. And if you could classify their first half in percentages in terms of um, who was on top, I would say it was like 80-20 to Bournemouth, despite the fact that Saints went in 1-0 up. Second half, arguably 70-30 Saints and especially that first 15-20 minutes it it didn't look like a Bournemouth side that was looking to get back in almost like the Leicester first 15 minutes of the second half and Southampton just seemed to coast really didn't they
2: yeah it was um it was tough for us to 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 get a foothold in the game I think that one of the issues of playing that that uh, ball over the top is that sometimes it feels a bit aimless and you cough up possession a bit easy and what we were doing in that first half was actually we were we were we were getting our foot on the ball and playing some good football as well so it was a bit of a mixture of the two and at the start of the second half any, Anytime time we got the ball it seemed we were hoofing it long pretty aimlessly giving it back to them and they were growing in confidence you could see they were enjoying it playing with freedom playing without any pressure where we were, uh, every minute that passed, it, it it was like there was another weight of expectation being lowered on top of the team, and um, you know, when that uh, when that penalty got given, yeah. uh, by VAR, it kind of, it, it, it sort of, uh, the air of inevitability that uh, <laughs> you thought, well. It's just the way it's going. It's
0: just the way it is, really. Mm. I now I know that um, you know Danny Ings is the top, sort of top goal uh, goal scorer for Southampton, but I thought that Ward Prowse would take penalties as well, but he, he doesn't. And I've not seen Danny Ings take many penalties, and certainly the stutter was something that I've not seen before from him, but. Ramsdale read it and he managed to keep hold of it as well and what was that that was on about 56 minutes so we still got the best part of 30 35 minutes to go at that point he thought is that the trigger moment because both have always had that kind of moment Rico hitting the post moments um, in the Leicester match where we won the penalty we you know saving a penalty would it spark the team into life it didn't happen
2: I'm just gonna say this Danny Ings I loved him when he played for us I think Danny Ings, when I saw him take step up to take that penalty, I thought he's going to miss this really? because he's Danny Ings. And I, I do think that he's got, he's got an affinity for the club. He's mm. got an affinity with Eddie. He didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't want to put us two nil down. Mm. And I know any Saints fans listening, you know, probably conspiracy theory, whatever, but I, mm. I, I felt, and I, you could tell by his expression, I don't think his heart was really in putting us down. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, if 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 that's what he was thinking, you know, it's obviously everyone's a professional, right? And he scored a cracking goal in the first half, so mm. it wasn't. And he and he should have had a second. He, he had a a shot that went flying past the post that I thought was in in mm. the second half too. Um, but that penalty, I thought he didn't really want to score it. Funny that. And mm. um, I did I did agree. I thought I thought it was going to give us a bit of a kick up the backside and and wake us up a bit, but we were, we were just a bit off the pace in that second half. Even when we got in behind them, I mean, I I lost track of the number of long throws into the box, the number of corners Mm. where we did nothing with them. And um, we just need a bit more, bit more calmness and creativity. It was, it was missing. And maybe, maybe we weren't helped by the fact that Stanislas obviously goes off so we lose one of our
0: key creatives yeah um, I and... agree I mean the deliveries into the box I thought in the second half were, weren't were particularly good there were times where we needed some you know some crosses with some decent whip and pace on them but they were loopy and high and the amount of times the goalkeeper claims corners or crosses I, I, you know I, I'd have probably needed about three or four hands to count them on it seemed to be every time we got them into the box and You know, we did get chances. Harry Wilson was there on the end of a couple, and both of them were fantastically saved by the keeper. And when those aren't going in, you just know it's not your day.
2: Yeah. And then uh, Solanke had that one blocked by, um, I can't remember, the Dutch guy. And, uh, you know, it it was just one of those games. So is it any surprise then that... uh, the goal that we do score gets disallowed for VAR. And clearly, Callum was offside, so I don't have any complaints for that. It was just like, sod's law, no VAR, Linesman misses that, we get a goal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, you know what? I don't know if there will be any plans to use VAR in the Championship. I certainly hope not, if that's where we end up, because, look, it, it kills the moment for me. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was
2: going mad. I was going mental. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, it, it, you know, it it really does you know, kill it completely. And it used to be a look to the ref, a look to the lino. Are they flagging? No. Have they blown for anything? No. That's it. Just a quick look. Um, and... You know, even players, when they scored, it would always just take a quick look to the lino to make sure it was OK. Um, but nowadays, there's just, you know, none of that. And uh, th- they're not celebrating like they used to. And it's, it, you know, I almost feel like, you know, writing into some kind of, um, you know, industrial body or something with the way that, um, you know, the Advertising Association or whatever, with the way that Sky Sports advertise their football to the start of the season with fans all, you know, m- you know, Ch- chanting and singing and shouting and jumping for joy with you eufe- uh, with euphoria because that's not that's not what it's like these days in, in now it's a you know like, is it going to happen or not it's a it's a real temporary celebration you know once again uh, it was ruled out look it was the right decision of course it was but at that moment on 86 minutes my heart just oh no actually I think it was a bit later on than that I think it, it might have even been mm. injury or whatever but um yeah, my heart just sank. And then nail in the coffin, goal number two.
2: Yeah, um good finish. Again, you know, clinical finishing, which we we didn't have at our end, but they have at their end. And uh Tuna was harsh, but honestly that that was a... Tough game. It mirrored a lot of what's gone on our season. A number of times we've played well and got zero from the game. We've got zero from VAR. We've got uh, no luck whatsoever in any of their games. And we tried. We really gave it gave it a go. And uh, Mm. at least we gave it a go. Um, I think Southampton, on balance, were the better side. They were playing with a freedom that we just weren't playing with, and they're playing with a belief, you know, confidence. They've crikey, you know, look at the results they've had since since coming back from from that nine nil against Leicester. <laughs> wow, you know, he's turned it round. They're playing with a uh, they they all know what their job is. They've got a settled side. Uh, I was really impressed with Romeo and Ward Prowse where they control that midfield. I think they've got uh, Walker Peters, really talented defender at right back. Danny Ings is obviously a, a terrific finisher. We know all about him. And the goalkeeper was absolute yeah. calmness personified. So the spine of their side, very good. And
0: we just weren't quite on their level today. Yeah, we weren't. And it leaves us in a horrendous position, really, where we're looking at other matches and, uh, Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll, you know, get on to discussing that. So, yeah, let's, you know, take a look at the players um, that were on the pitch and we'll just sort of, you know, go through each of them. I mean, Ramsdale, you know, obviously saved the penalty. How how do you think we look defensively? Uh, Jack Stacey, Steve Cook, Lloyd Kelly, Diego Rico?
2: I think it's all right. I think Kelly is the the great uh, sort of rock-like player. In that back four, Stacey's good. He got some good attacking positions as well. Uh, Rico defending better than I've seen him for much of the season, uh, and Steve Cook was solid. So I think it's a back four. We're we're all right um, without filling me with loads of confidence. Where we're going to get a clean sheet? I think we always give up quite a lot of uh, chances.
0: One of the things I can say to uh, the credit of our defence is that after the Man City game, I wasn't looking back and thinking Nathan Ake would have changed the result there. Um, yeah. No one really felt as though they missed him. And I've got to say, that kind of goal, I don't know what it is, players cutting in from that side on the right foot. I mean, the goal from Jesus was was very similar with the way that he, you know, cut inside and found that corner. That was almost a carbon copy. Um, but, you know, even Nathan Ake's played matches where um, I, you know, I, I don't think he would have made a difference really. So at this point in time, I'm I'm sort of thinking to myself, well, you know, if he does go, you know, he tried his very best. His last touch nearly kept us in the Premier League with that, you know, goal-saving uh, challenge on uh, Jamie Vardy against Leicester, which, you know, ultimately that match, we won the three points. Um, he goes with our best wishes, but, you know, defensively, we're you know, we're, we could be fairly sound. We might need reinforcements in places. I don't think Simon Francis will be playing anymore. Charlie Daniels might be back. Who knows? Uh, midfield. Um, yesterday, we had David Brooks, obviously, Phil Billing and Jefferson Lerma, Junior Stanislas. Now, the weakness, you know, we've obviously discussed in you know, David Brooks. I think Stanislas was fairly solid. But what were your thoughts on Billing and Lerma in the middle? Because Billing's someone that always gets stick on their full-time fr- uh, free-for-all people always. Uh, he, he's like public enemy number one on many occasions. He's the first person they look to as being the weakness. But what do you think of their central uh, midfield pairing? Uh.
2: I think it's OK. It it just uh, it's good at breaking up the play. And I thought I thought Lerma and Billing for all the ball that Southampton had, you know, they competed really well in that midfield. You know, the number of times that Lerma particularly broke up uh, challenges, you know, one, two or three in a row, 50 50s and left players reeling in his wake, which was great to see. Uh, and Billing, I think he's deceptive in the way he cuts his long legs, cut the ball out lots and lots of times, I and mean, he he did okay today. But I mean, maybe maybe it was um, the shape of the team that worked so well against um, Manchester City, and arguably in that uh, in that Leicester second half has five in midfield. And I think when you play Lerman billing, you do need someone else creative in there, um, another midfield central midfielder, and uh, maybe, maybe mm, I don't know. There's there would have been a better call to play Stanislas and King, and maybe leave Brooks on the bench with Solanke up front on his own, mm. Lewis Cook or Gosling in the middle as well.
0: And then up front, uh, Callum Wilson and Josh King. Um, yeah. It, it was a difficult one. You, you, uh, Callum Wilson's making the, the right runs again, like he did against Manchester City. It was very sort of Charlie Daniels-esque, that Diego Rico ball that basically put Callum Wilson on goal to set up Brooks at Man City. But he he made a number of good runs. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, we didn't really get the shots away on goal when he had chances to score where, you know, the cross came in and he should have headed it on target at least. It just ballooned off his head. He's not in great form. Josh King showed elements and he went through on goal. had that penalty claim early on, but, he, I mean, he did go down way too easy. I don't even think VAR even took a look at it in the end. Maybe a brief sort of passing mm-hmm. glance. But what do you think of those two?
2: You know what you're going to get with both of them? A lot of effort, a lot of hard running and they do create opportunities because of that, that hard running. They do win a lot of free kicks because of that. Um, Josh, I think, um, is playing with a bit more confidence than Callum. I just think Callum is, Callum is shot in front of goal. You know, sometimes goal scorers go through that phase where you think they're not, they just, they're just never going to hit the back of the net again. And there's been a number of, Chances that Camps had over the last few games. where you think Cannon of uh, last season would bury those? But he's not, mm. and it's getting to a getting to the point where um, I, th- I think he needs to be he, he needs to be benched. I mean, he, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I still think he should start in front of him for for the foreseeable future. One more game.
0: Yeah, and. You know, Sam Sorridge, if we are relegated, Sam Sorridge has proved that he can score goals in the championship. And maybe um, with the attacking flair that we may keep in in midfield with the likes of Junior Stanislas, etc., we've still got hope in terms of keeping our attacking flair, perhaps, because Sam Sorridge has demonstrated in the few minutes that he's had that he always knows how to hit the back of the net, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, he can score. He can score goals. He's he's hungry, he's enthusiastic, he's got something to prove and he knows where the back of the net is. His his approach play and his his general play as part of the team is probably a little bit more naive and, and, and doesn't give the team as much as it does as Josh or Callum do. But when it comes to finishing, he can stick it in the back of the net as he showed in the 96th minute, but albeit it got ruled out.
0: Yeah, um, uh, Thoughts on the rivalry There's a lot of uh, Saints fans that are coming online And giving us a little bit of grief Um, uh, You know, they say We're not their rivals, yet they Are happy to lord up over us um, And they've been doing that Plentifully in the last However many hours it is, 16 hours or so Or 24 hours, whatever it is uh, We have intensified the rivalry No matter whether we stay up Or or, or whether we go down, haven't we?
2: Look Southampton fans have had a tough season. We beat them for the first time at St Mary's earlier in the season. They had a record home defeat where they lost nine 0 Hassan Hasan was uh, un- one more defeat, and he got fired. Mm. And um, so, honestly, if I if if we were in their position, I'd be doing exactly the same. You know, I, I don't begrudge them at all. Football is one of those sports. You know, it comes around and goes around. And I'm sure that there'll be times where we get to lord it over them in the future. That's, yeah. that's what that's what non-rivalry is all about, isn't it? Sam? Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know what, football lasts forever. And you know what, for the past two seasons, we've been ahead of them. And you know, it all depends how how long a time frame. How long a sort of uh, span you want to look at things? If you want to look things, uh, you know, very short term, you'd say that you know Bournemouth have pretty much had the better of them. That's been their first win for a few seasons now, I think it is. I mean, they it hasn't, they haven't won in quite a while. And yeah, um, for the first time when we do uh, sit lower than them in the table, it could be, it could be curtains for us. But um, it goes on, it goes on, Jeff. Well, coming up later in the show, Jeff is going to be rejoining me as we discuss the games that happen on Tuesday. That is tomorrow with Watford just needing a point and Villa hoping to stay in it themselves. If they both lose, it goes down to the final day and then anything can happen. Honestly, it's not good for the heart rate, is it? But Bournemouth need to do what they can do. And, well, we didn't do it this time. So will they next time? (sighs) We don't know. First, though, some thoughts from the full time fans freefall. If you ever want to join that, by the way, you're more than welcome. Just buy, grab a pair of headphones. And on your browser, just go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. And, uh, yeah, some raw reactions, some comments from YouTube as well. Uh, some uh, colourful comments this week, I've got to say. Um, and uh, not all of them uh, lasted the duration of the chat. Some of them were actually blocked. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that another time, I'm certain. However, these were the raw thoughts at full time. Back down to earth, I guess,
2: Um, after the last couple of performances. I mean, they put in a shift today. We we put in a shift today, but the better team won on the day. Um, Unfortunately, they were more clinical. Um, You can't really argue with that. You know, it, it was in our hands to go out there and get some points and we screwed up. Um, we're now looking at from side, uh, sides around us, and a lot of people are looking at Watford and saying, well, yeah, but they've got Arsenal and Manchester City, but Aston Villa are still in it. You know, that, that if they were six points and they had to win both games and rely on Bournemouth and Watford to then lose, um, or, you know, if they, I know if they were uh, six points, I think that would put them down anyway because of uh, the Watford being three points ahead. But what I mean is if they were lower down and, and maybe needed to win both, um, then you'd say, well, they're out of it. And then it's just Watford to rely on dropping in and us being able to get out. But Villa is still in it. And, and Watford, you know, I, I don't know what's going on today. It was classic Watford to announce that they sacked their manager in the middle of a, a Bournemouth game um, with such uh, such magnitude as well. So, I don't know. We, we've got to rely on some other team to do us favours. But I think VAR today didn't really do us the, the favour we were hoping for. That's the thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to start with that, Sam. Um, I suppose you know we they they gave all the effort and determination and drive that they've given for the last three, um, but it's same same again, isn't it? We um, we just weren't clinical in front of goal. VAR wasn't on our side, and that's where we are again. To be honest, the boy put in a good effort. Um, they gave one hundred and ten percent where we are lacking and Paul mentioned this earlier on. Um we're not clinical up front at the moment. Um Wilson's been out of sorts all season. Key's not been on it. Um Spelanke, you know, has got two goals. Um he, he did all right when he came on. Um I celebrated like mad when we thought we scored that goal. And to be honest, 2-0, you know uh, it's a bit unfair on us. Um, I think the players just their heads dropped as soon as that goal was disallowed for VAR, and I, I can't see a way out of this. No, I honestly can't see a way out. Um, I know Morgan's going to come on and say, "Oh yeah, we'll beat Emerson," and you know, <laughs> you know, Aston Villa won't win any of their game. Who have they got, Manu, um they got Arsenal and. Can I say? Uh,
0: yeah. Sorry. Yeah, you're
1: right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's there's no way out of this. Um. I, I can't. I can't see it. Um. It would need an absolute miracle. But um. I can't say that the, the boys didn't try hard today. Um.
3: Just. Very very disappointing. The only thing I would say is May Holland who was on the channel that I was listening to, said something very, very important, which is, you know, when we were on minus 17, if we'd gone down that season, that would have been the end of the club. This is not the end of the club. We're going to come back next season. We'll be in the championship. We'll have the parachute payments. Um, I think we'll be okay in the championship, if that's what what happens. I, I still have that hope for a miracle next week, you know, that somehow it comes down to the last minute and we send Watford down. Um, But if if we go to the championship, in some ways it would actually be refreshing because we'd use a lot of the younger players. Sam Sowage would be in the team every week. Some of the other young players would be in the team every week. Maybe, Maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to go down to come back. And then the other good thing is I think we would sign Mark Pugh. And I think that would be great. He would be really good in the championship stuff.
0: So there you go. And remember, if you want to take part after the Everton game, you know what to do. Find a pair of headphones and just on your device, whether it's a phone, laptop, tablet, whatever, go to afcbpodcast.com slash take part. Right, let's look forward to what's happening this week. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell.
1: I was a 2015 BDO World Champion and you're listening to the podcast Back of the Net.
0: So then it's going to be an interesting week to be an AFC Bournemouth fan. We've had a topsy-turvy ride so far. We feel like we're at the lowest of the low at the moment. Yet, Jeff, I I, I hate myself for saying it, but there's still still a chance that we can somehow do this. And all eyes are going to be on Vicarage Road and Villa Park on Tuesday night in a doubleheader where Watford entertain Manchester City and Villa entertain Arsenal, Manchester City are going to be reeling after their defeat to said club, Arsenal, in the FA Cup, and uh, of course Arsenal, they're going to be on a high. It is, it is conceivable that we could be going into the last match week with a chance, and judging on the midweek results, it, it could even be a good chance. You might say.
2: I think it is eminently possible that um, that it will go down to the final game, and we're still in it. The events that have happened at Watford, as we alluded to on the um, podcast, I think are um, qu- quite staggering. Really, um, that sort of new manager bounce. Well, he's got whoever takes takes over. He's got forty eight hours to prepare them for a game against a uh, a smarting Manchester City uh, who have still to get in the right rhythm. And I thought that was really interesting, reading Pep's comments about the team, you know, not not playing well. He's going to want amazing performances from them in their last couple of league games. And that begins on Tuesday night. You bet you know, a million quid that Manchester City will give a reaction and against a leaderless rudderless watford honestly if if watford keep it down to 2-0 they'll they'll have done really well i i can see that being a a, a classic manchester city 5-0 4-0 whatever you want to call it sort of game yeah and I, and I, honestly honestly i know i'm a positive thinking person and all that and i know hope kills you but if they get if they get a result if they get a draw from that game hats off to them because yeah, yeah. I think they're on a hiding to absolutely flipping nothing in that Tuesday night match.
0: I think you know they I listen to the From the Rookery podcast every now and then because I always think they're a club that are on our sort of footballing level um, and they've probably got the same sort of aspirations as us and uh, you know there have been a, a lot of shared frustrations but I think that if they do get a better point either you know, between those last two games, I think most of them fans will have thought they've got away with Blue Murder um, and maybe Villa as well. Now, Villa entertaining Arsenal, um, I would like to think that Arsenal would get a result there. But, you know, in that circumstance, um, even a Villa win doesn't necessarily mean that we go down because they're level-on points, you know, Watford's the only team that basically can't get a point now, from now until the end of the season. Um, yeah. Going yeah. back uh, to Watford very quickly, I was about to say, I mean, uh, they're a bit of a banter club, really, with the way they're, you know, hiring fire. I mean, this this kind of, you know, attitude of sacking your manager, who, you know, by all intents and purposes, is is loved and has a lot of respect within the dressing room, um, it seems a bizarre Thing to do, and the players are surely going to be a bit despondent. And uh, know, I, 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 who's I going to to manage that?
2: I don't get it. And and also, uh, lest we forget, Troy Deeney is likely to be out, um, so they're not going to be at full strength. Uh, I, I, uh, look, if you're if you're looking at the fixtures that Watford have got, Manchester City at home, Arsenal away, they get one point from those two games. You'll think, well, that, I didn't expect that. Honestly, expectations tell you they're going to lose both those games. And yeah. um, so let's say they lose both their games. Villa, I think Arsenal are going to be flying after that Manchester City win. Um, they've still got Europa Cup uh, plays to to chase because they may well get to the cup final and still lose it and not get European football. So they still need to put in a performance Mm-hmm. Uh, Villa fans will tell you that uh, they're dreading that game on Tuesday night and the weight of expectation is they have to win that game. Going to yeah. West Ham final day, I think, you know, it's it's going to be a real toughie for them as well. So um, if Villa get one point, two points possible, uh, if they win one of those games, again, you've got to say they'll have done well. But even if they win one of those games, we're still in it. Well, that's, then,
0: that's the thing. I mean, like you say, hats off to Watford if they do manage to get a point against Manchester City. They probably won't. As you say, they probably will get smashed 4-0, in which case their goal difference would be uh, makes you know, the same exactly as ours. Makes it, a,
2: it makes the goal difference conversation irrelevant.
0: Yeah, exactly. It does. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just calculating this on a, on a league table generator at the moment. And, uh, you know, I don't know why I put myself through this hell. I've been doing it almost daily uh, since the start of project lockdown. That would put us, uh, if, you know, Villa were to lose, that would then um, put us back up to 18th. And obviously, yeah, three points behind Watford. Now, Watford versus Arsenal. I think the telling match will be how Arsenal perform against Aston Villa because if they blow them out of the water, then Watford are going to be running scared. Um, Now Watford have got some decent players, albeit without Dini Saar really impresses me. He's really quick and direct and I don't know, he he seems to be one of those scary players that I would, you know, if I was Steve Cook, I would be absolutely bricking it. Um, But, you know, they're playing Arsenal, Villa on the final day, they are... At West Ham, which is the worrying fixture because West Ham do look good. But then what they got to play for now, given that they're safe, not too sure. But I mean, we have to win the final game. That's it. We have to win. And at least we gave ourselves the best chance in that final game, if that's the case, didn't we? Yeah,
2: if, you know,
0: this season,
2: the games where you've thought we've got no chance, we actually suddenly seem to put in a really good performance. So we did that against Manchester City, we did that against Leicester, and um I kind of feel that the weight of expectation will be off the players. You know, going into the game. They'll be thinking, Well, let's say let's say it form uh wins out and Villa lose, Watford lose, and all three of us are basically, looking at those games on Sunday, all start off at the same time, so we don't know what the result's are going to be. We just get to play a game, and you know what? It's it's again, it's one of those games. Give it all you've got. You know, if you win, it might not be enough, but at least you know you give yourself a chance. And actually, that might be in our favour because when we've had that expectation that we must absolutely must fucking yeah. win this game, we've we found that really difficult and. Yeah. Um, I hope he plays a kind of 4 5 1 setup um, again. I hope that the players just play with the freedom they did against Manchester City mm. and, and the freedom they did for those last 30 minutes against Leicester and go out, enjoy yourselves and give it a go. You know, who knows what's well, going on? Well, that's to happen. the thing. Who knows?
0: Jeff, well we'll we'll see what happens. Thank you very much for your podcast contribution today. I just wish we were speaking in more jovial terms, but alas it wasn't to be. So there we go episode 90 done in the can oh man sorry it's not been brilliant but oh, it's one of them isn't it I, I, you just wish that life could fast forward and you know I thought that about three weeks ago I was thinking you know what I would love it now if it was the evening of July the 26th we know where we are and we can just relax and rebuild or whatever or think how on earth did we survive that could still be how we're feeling if it if it did, oh God. Anyway, it's not going to happen. I don't think so, anyway. Right, do you remember at the start of the show uh, three anagrams of former Cherries and AFC Bournemouth players there was Be Stolen, Slim Nose, and Barnyard Rent. They were all anagrams. Okay, so Be Stolen was Leon Best. Congratulations if you got that one. Slim Nose, he's still with us now in the coaching department. Neil Moss. And Barnyard Rent, when you actually write this down, it's, it seems really obvious. Ryan Bertrand. Um, there were more that we were going to do, including Drawn Surname, uh, Longtime List, Rob Curator, Peace Relax and also ban Reasoned. Uh, We won't give you the answers to them, but if you want to come back on social media, on Twitter and tag us in, uh, then yeah, you're more than welcome. We may even let you have one of our bottle opener things, coasters that we're doing on the Funnel Forecast on the YouTube channel. Right, that's it then. Thank you very much for your patience and listening. Uh, Hopefully we'll end on a high. Who knows what division we'll be in? We think we know. But for now, you've been listening to Back of the Net. The AFC Bournemouth Podcast.
1: Oh, top of the box, Nathan Redmond here's Danny Ings. Hasn't really got in the game yet. Ings right quick shot! He's in the game right now, is Danny Ings, of course he is. It's his first shot and the former Cherry celebrates modestly with four minutes until half time. Puts so a real dent in Bournemouth's hopes of staying in the Premier League.